welcome to another episode of Preferred Walk-On, PFF's college football show. I'm your host, Max Chadwick, and I mentioned last week that we're bringing on a co-host to the show, and I am very, very excited to welcome on Dalton Wasserman. He's a data collection analyst at PFF. Also, you probably know him from his work at PFF.com, puts out some fantastic college football articles at PFF.com. Dalton, I am so, so pumped to have you on the show, dude. Oh, man, I'm thrilled to be here. Any day you get to talk ball is a good day, and to be able to do it every week on this show is going to be awesome. Absolutely. So last week we put out a review episode, and this week we, there's so much you know moving parts with Dalton obviously joining the show. We didn't do it this week, but next week we will be putting out a review episode. Also, that should be coming out earlier in the week too, which we are very, very excited about as well. So make sure you hit the subscribe button. We're going to do a review and preview episode basically every single weekend. Uh, but Dalton, the first game in this preview, previewing – you know, the first the biggest games, I think, in week three and uh, everyone is talking about week three right now as a weaker slate after having LSU, Florida State week one, Texas, Alabama in week two. There isn't a massive game in this one. There, there actually aren't any games between ranked teams. But you and I talked about this before. These usually seem to be the best weeks of college football when you think, oh, it's, it should be a boring Saturday. That's when you see the most madness happen. So I, I'm still very excited for week three, man. Well, the unexpected is what college football is made for, man. You never know what's going to happen any given week. You think it's going to be a boring Saturday and you see, you see top teams go down. You see teams you barely heard of that play well. Uh, you see teams go on the road and, and, and make people real nervous. It's, it's, it's going to be one of those weeks. Again, we don't, maybe we don't necessarily know where or how or, or why it happens uh, sometimes, you know, that's, that's just the magic of college football and, and weeks like this weeks like this for a lot of coaches, especially are the scary ones. Yeah, absolutely. So the first game that we're going to talk about in this week three slate is on noon at ESPN, and it is number 14 LSU traveling to Mississippi State. And the storyline for me, Dawn, in this game is can LSU prove its head coach wrong? Because you remember after that Florida State loss we mentioned earlier, LSU head coach Brian Kelly said the Tigers, quote, are not the football team that I thought we were heading into the season. So he obviously was very disappointed after that loss. They obviously cleansed their palate against Grambling state with a 72 10 victory. But then again, that's a FCS school. This is a Mississippi state team. That's a top 25 team in PFF's power rankings right now, which you can find at PFF.com. But Dolan, what is the matchup that you're, you're really looking at for this game? Um, I want to see if Will Rogers from Mississippi state is able to throw the ball down the field. They've really changed their system. They've gotten away from the air raid and everything they, um, they did under, under Mike Leach and they they've focused more on a more traditional system, focusing on running the ball, straight dropbacks, um, deeper reads downfield. And so far through two games, the traditional stats and the scores look pretty good, but he's had struggles getting the ball at least 10 yards down the field because the air raid featured a lot of shorter throws, quick reads, one step drops, six to eight yard throws. And so far on 10 plus yard throws, Will Rogers passing grade is just a 56.7. And he's going to have to be able to find some big plays against this LSU defense, especially with their pass rush. You know, if LSU, like you, um, you had mentioned after the Florida state game that they need to send Perkins on the pass rush more. If they do that, he's going to have to be able to make quicker decisions down the field. 
Yeah, 1000%. I'm glad you mentioned, you know, them getting away from their air raid roots because, in fact, they threw the ball last year on nearly 70% of their plays, which is the highest rate in the country under Mike Leach, obviously, rest in peace. And then this year, they're throwing the ball on 34% of their plays, basically half that number from a year ago. That's the seventh lowest rate in the country right now. Obviously, Jaquavius Marks, you know, the the running back there has been phenomenal so far this season. But still, I mean, they're going to have to throw more on LSU because LSU's defense. You know, they got exposed against Florida State, especially in that secondary. And I'm not saying that Mississippi State has the dudes that Florida State has in the receiving core, even at quarterback. But still, man, LSU's secondary is, I think, is, again, their weakest part of their defense. So I think they got to get back to the roots a little bit and and throw the ball a lot more. But what is your uh, what's your final score prediction for this game between LSU and Mississippi State? I'm going to take I'm going to take LSU. I think it's going to be a close one. It's still on the road. Um Mississippi State secondary is dangerous as well. Racked up four interceptions last week mm-hmm. against Arizona. Um, when you talk about Mississippi State, you're right. It starts with Equavius Marks. He's got the fourth highest rushing grade in the country right now. They need to establish the run. Not They need to win the turnover battle. They need to keep Jaden Daniels in the pocket. Keep him in the pocket. If you force him to make throws from the pocket, you have a chance. Last year, he went... He went for, we had him at 104 yards rushing last year. Just too much, too much scrambling on the ground last year. They couldn't keep him in the pocket. So if they can win the turnover battle and run the ball, they have a chance. But I'll take, I'll take LSU uh, 27 to 21. Yeah, close one. I got LSU in a close one, too. I think it's a one-possession game as well. I got LSU 31-23 in this one. Actually, the first SEC game of the season, so I'm excited for that. And I think LSU is going to regain some of that hype right now. Right now, they're number 14 in the rankings. I think I have them a little bit higher than that, uh, but I, I think this is still a really quality team. And I don't think that Florida State game is indicative of how quality of a team LSU actually is. So uh, I think it's more of showing what Florida State actually is. So, uh, yeah, very interesting game. Next one, we're talking about another noon kick on SEC Network. Network. It is a classic Big 12 rivalry. Uh, number 15, Kansas State at Missouri. And storyline for me, Dalton, this one is can Eli Drinkwitz, can he get that signature win? Because I don't think he's on the hot seat just yet, the Missouri head coach, but his chair is probably getting a little bit warmer right now because in his four years, he's gone 19 and 19, hasn't had a winning season in his four years. Uh, and in the 15 years before he took over, the Tigers were above 500 in 11 of those 15 years. So this is a winning program that's used to being a winning program. And Eli Drinkwitz has just not done that so far. So, uh, you know, he hasn't beaten a top 15 team yet. He could do that this week against Kansas State at home as well. This is really the opportunity for him, I think, to, to prove that the program is heading in the right direction. But what on the field are you looking forward most in this game? Uh, Missouri's defense has to play well on early downs. Mm -hmm. Uh, They gave up over 230 yards rushing last year. And the one best skill that Will Howard, Kansas State's quarterback has, he's a lethal play action passer. If you force him into drop back situations, it's not great. But last year he was 10th in the country in passing grade on play action. This year, I think he's sitting 11th with a grade hovering around 90. Will, Will Howard is a dangerous play action passer. When Kansas State gets ahead of the chains, and they have a two-way go on their play calling. It's really, really dangerous for Missouri's defense. And it snowballed on them last year between they had four turnovers. They fell behind early. They gave up 235 yards rushing. And Howard in the play action, that that is when Kansas State is at their best is when they can get to the play action game in good down and distance situations. 
Absolutely. And the matchup I'm looking is on the other side of the ball. I'm looking at Missouri's offensive line, which has actually performed really well so far against Kansas State's defensive line. Missouri has run the ball on nearly 70% of their plays this year, which is the third highest rate in the Power Five. And they have the sixth best run blocking grade in the Power Five as a team right now. Um, And even more uh, important for them in that offensive line is that the fact that Brady Cook, the Missouri quarterback, he has a 34.6 passing grade under pressure this season. That's the fifth worst in the country. And Kansas State has the third highest pass rushing grade in the power five right now at 82.8. So uh, and a really good run defense as well. So uh, this is going to be a big time matchup. And and I think the Missouri offensive line, if they want a chance, they need to get Brady Cook time. Let him find Luther Burden, the third that receiver that they have there, who's been phenomenal so far this season as just a true sophomore too. Uh, give him time, man, because that's the only way I think Missouri can really have a chance in this game, especially make sure the run game is doing well too because Missouri's run the ball on on most of their plays this season but Don ultimately does Missouri pull off the upset will they get the uh, signature win for Eli Drinkwitz I don't I don't think so it's not going to be 40 to 12 like it was last year this time it's in Missouri and and the one thing you see with Missouri when you put them on is they they're too careless with the football they had Mm -hmm. four turnovers last year only forced one against Kansas State they have to shorten the game. They have to take care of the football. They have to put Brady Cook in good situations also. He's got, in his career, more turnover-worthy plays than big-time throws. It's, they, they're very, they've been careless with the football mm-hmm. recently. And if you're careless with the football against a team like K-State, they can, just, they can just beat you to death and run the clock out on you. I think it's going to be closer. I think those battles in the trenches are going to be closer than last year. But I'll still take Kansas State 30-20. to 20. Okay. Yeah, I got Kansas State winning this one too, 27 23. I think it'll be close, like you said, but I just don't trust Brady Cook enough. Like you mentioned, I, I just don't think he'll be good enough in this game, especially against a top 15 opponent in Kansas State. So 27 23, I got Kansas State uh, pulling off the victory on the road. Uh, next one that we're talking about, another uh, ranked team on the road this week, and that is number seven, Penn State at Illinois. And just so the audience knows, I'm not, I don't think I've mentioned this yet. I'm a huge, huge Penn State fan. So uh, I'm a little nervous for this game, especially because this is the first. First test for Drew Aller, the, the sophomore quarterback who everyone has high expectations for, former five-star recruit. He's looked phenomenal so far. He's a 90.2 passing grade, eighth among Power 5 quarterbacks. But I want to remind people that was against West Virginia and Delaware. West Virginia isn't a top 70 team in our power rankings, and Delaware is an FCS school. So this is a different environment. It's his first true road game uh, against Illinois, a uh, top 40 team in our power ranking. So this is the first test for Drew Aller and Dalton. I know that the matchup that you're looking at in this game could, uh, could really affect him as well. Yeah, it's in the trenches. It's in the trenches again. And and Penn State has maybe the best left tackle in the country in Olaf Fashano. He's probably the best. He's the single best pass protector in the country. But the rest of their offensive line has struggled to protect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, currently, especially their interior, it's really struggled through two games. So you, even against Delaware, it's not been good. You know, and Aller... Aller is mobile, but he's not mobile like some of the other guys we think of when you think of like Jalen Milrow and and some of these athletes, Caleb Williams, that you have at quarterback. You know, he's functionally mobile, but he he needs to be protected better. And this Illinois defensive line, starting with Jerzon Newton, is going to cause them a lot of problems um, if they don't if they don't fix it up front. They have trouble with one-on-one matchups in pass protection. They have trouble with blitzes. And Illinois brings a five-man rush at the fourth highest rate in the country. And Penn State's pass protection against a five-man rush through two games is just a 44.1 as a unit. So it's it's really 
schematically, it is not a good matchup for their offensive line. And they're going to have to find ways. They're going to have to find ways to alleviate pressure last week. Kansas against Illinois did it by getting really East and West constantly wide side of the field, screen game, quick game, uh, even speed option, anything that can get them to the outside. Um, they'll have to tweak it a little bit for Aller cause he's not athletic like Jalen, uh, Jalen Daniels, but there are ways that they can get the ball outside quick, get the ball out of his hands quickly early and don't let Illinois defensive line take over this game. But that's the, for Penn state, that's going to be the biggest problem is blocking the five-man front of Illinois. And dude, not only is blocking a five-man front, like those all, those five players could not be good players and it's still difficult because it's one-on-one matchups for basically all five offensive linemen. This is a top five defensive line in the country, man. This is a loaded defensive line. Drazon Newton, like you mentioned, he's easily the best D-tackle in college football, in my opinion. Easily a top 10 player in college football. He's been great so far this season as well. Um, Keith Randolph, the other D-tackle there, is phenomenal as well. Uh, and like you mentioned, Penn State might have a top five pick in Olufashanu. The rest of that offensive line is not great. All of them have sub 70 grades so far this season, including Fashano, who struggled in the run game and that's continued for him. Um, but I, I do think the Penn State with the, the running back unit they got with Katron Allen, Nicholas Singleton, and the fact Drew Aller, again, it was against West Virginia and Delaware, but he has an 88 passing grade under pressure this year, which is fourth among power five quarterbacks. So he's dealt with pressure well, but this is a whole new animal, man. This is, this is why I think out of all the games we're talking about today, this might be the one where I'm saying if, if we're going to see madness, it, it could happen if Illinois' defensive line really does dominate, especially on the interior of Penn State's offensive line. But, Don, are, are you going to break my heart right now? Will my Nittany Lions, will they go down this weekend? Uh, I'm not going to do it, but I might scare you a little bit. Um, look, Aller, Aller has as much arm talent as anyone in the country. I mean, you, you look at certain throws he makes, you know, his first touchdown throw against West Virginia just jumps off. Uh, mm-hmm. There's not many guys in the country, even with the ability to make a throw is about 46 to 48 yards on a rope off platform. Uh, he's, he is, he's the most talented Penn state quarterback I've seen. And they really, it's going to be about the pass protection. And to be honest, a lot of times the ways to beat those, those, you know, good pass rushing teams is to run right at them. You mentioned it with the running backs, um, running the ball early with success would help them a lot, you know, get them into the action game a little bit more. Um, this game, this game could cause Penn state a lot of problems. I, I think, I don't think Illinois can score enough to finish the job. Yeah. Even at home, their offense is really struggling through two games Um, last week against Kansas. They just, they fell behind early and just couldn't get it back. Um, They are not a team that can come from behind. I'm going to take Penn state 24 to 16. Um, I I think, I think they're going to struggle for a bit. I think there's going to be times when Illinois defensive line keeps them in this game, but I don't think Illinois can score enough. I think Penn state will put up enough points, but these are games for Penn state. I'm glad that we get to see them against Illinois this week and Iowa next week against teams with good defensive fronts um, to test them before. Cause you know, Penn state, the question is always, can they, can they beat Ohio state? Can they beat Michigan? Mm-hmm. And if your offensive line doesn't have it together, you won't beat Ohio state. You won't beat Michigan. You just won't, you know, so Illinois having these couple of games to start conference play is really, really good for them. Even if they win and things are tough and they face that sort of adversity, I think we're going to, I think we're going to know a lot more, about Penn state in the next two weeks um, before I believe two weeks after that, they get Ohio state. Mm -hmm. We're going to know a lot about them. And if they can, if they can improve in the trenches over the next couple of weeks and they, they, they may stand a chance to win the big 10 East. 
I hope so, man. But I, yeah, I got Penn State winning this one as well, thirty-one to seventeen. And yeah, like you mentioned, this is a this is a test for them, man. This is a real test. The, the thing that I think is holding me back from maybe picking Illinois in the upset here is, like you mentioned, that offense is struggling, and they're going up against a, one of the best defenses in the country. Penn State's, you know, the the strength of this Penn State team, in my opinion, uh, as good as Drew Aller has been, is the defense. The defensive line is great. The linebacker unit is great. The secondary is phenomenal. You got Manny Diaz, defensive coordinator. He's one of the best DCs in the country like that defense is phenomenal and illinois already struggled against you know not great defenses already um so I, I just don't see them having the offense to do it but yeah like i said this offensively for penn state this will be a test so i, I am super excited to see this game next one we're talking about though is minnesota at number 20 north carolina which is at 330 uh, on espn and my storyline for this is will someone step up for drake may man this guy is maybe the second best quarterback in the country i think he probably is second best quarterback in the draft and he's played great even though the, the, the raw stats don't show it. this is why pff so valuable is that he has an 88.4 passing grade so far without his top two receivers from a year ago and josh downs and antoine green now they bring in tez walker from kent state but and he was supposed to be the wide receiver one for them he's ineligible for all the season because of a bs ncaa transfer ruling saying he can't be a two-time transfer playing this year which is awful um but yeah man they, they have the eighth lowest graded receiving core in the power five bryson nesbitt i thought was a top five tight end entering the season he only has four catches for 31 yards in the first two games this is gonna be tough and, and minnesota's got a good secondary man tyler newbin you know our uh our sister podcast you know nfl stock exchange they're doing a, a phenomenal job with covering the nfl draft they love Tyler Newbin, the safety uh, top 40 prospect on PFF's big board. So, uh, yeah, I, this is going to be interesting, man. I, I think I'm really interested in seeing who can step up for Drake May, especially in this kind of game. Yeah, no, definitely. May's been spectacular. And it's a shame with Walker because, uh, to be honest with you, that ruling there's a chance that ruling could cost them an ACC title, which, yeah. which is a real shame. I mean, they need, you can see on the tape right now, this guys aren't separating consistently. You're seeing drop balls on very good throws. Drake may look Drake may this, the stats, the traditional stats, I should say, don't show it so far. He's still the reason they win football games. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's, he's spectacular. He is the second best quarterback in the country. He's got a cannon. He can run. He can do all the things. He can do all the things you ask for. I mean, he's just, he's, he's everything they need him to be. And they, and they need to start, they need to start getting better around him because the way the supporting cast is playing right now, offensively, they won't beat a team like Florida state. Yep. You know, and it's going to be hard to beat a team even like Clemson and their defense unless the weapons play better. Um, and you, you mentioned it, you know, Minnesota secondary. It's a good group. Um, Minnesota plays solid, fundamentally sound defense. And you know what? If they can't separate, you know, last week, Appalachian State gave them a lot of problems on the back end, but May ended up just running the ball and they ran the ball. I think was it over 300 yards they ran the ball for on App State as a team. Yeah. Um, it's, I love that they have balance, you know, to go through this early in the season is much better than say getting guys hurt late in the year and having to adjust. I think the fact that North Carolina has balance will actually be a good thing for them down the road, but now is the part where they need somebody on the outside to step up and become that guy. You know, they lost, they lost Josh Downs who made a lot of huge plays for them last year. It's, it's something worth watching to see who steps up as North Carolina's primary weapon. 
Absolutely, and I'm glad you mentioned the run game because North Carolina has actually done really well in the run game. Marion Hampton is one of the highest graded running backs right now. Uh, they've had a different 100-yard rusher in each of their first two games so far, and uh, Marion Hampton had over 200 yards against App State, too, in that game. The Golden Gophers' run defense has not been good, man. They have the second-highest average depth of tackle in the Power 5, meaning that their average tackle is six yards downfield in the run game, which is not great, man. So this, this North Carolina, this is like we talk about how the receivers have to step up in this game particularly this could be a North Carolina rushing attack that really leads them to a victory in this game but is there another matchup Dalton that you're really looking at in this game uh, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out how Minnesota is going to score. Um, <laughs> right now their court, um, Ethan Calicmanis, he's just not making the necessary throws to win ball games. Minnesota is actually third best in the country in pass protection right now. Their offensive line, take out any tight ends and backs and anything else in protection that can happen. Their offensive line through two games is only given up a total of four pressures. Wow. Um, so he, he has a mountain of clean pockets to work in and he's just not making the throws. They could have beaten Nebraska a lot worse than they did. Um, but he's just, he's not making throws from clean pockets. The accuracy is not there. Even their one touchdown against Nebraska wasn't the best throw in the world. You know, you got the miracle toe drag for the game, the game tying touchdown. I should say game tying, right? It was 10 to three at that point. And they they're just struggling. I mean, you lost Tanner Morgan, who was four year starter. Mm-hmm. Muhammad Ibrahim was a darn near seventeen hundred yard rusher last year. You lost the best center in the country, although they're adjusting well to that. They they look like a team who's young on offense, and I, I'm I'm having a hard time figure out figuring out how, you know how they're going to score. I think. Came on Rucker against their offensive line is a fun matchup because yeah. Minnesota's given up the fewest pressures, at least their offensive line in the power five and Rucker's leading the power five in pressures right now on defense. So that'll be a fun matchup to watch individually. But, um, and if he wins that matchup, I really don't know how they're going to score. Cause if Minnesota starts giving up pressure now, um, they're going to have a hard time in the passing game. Absolutely. And I, I think it's an interesting you know, difference in these two quarterbacks is where you have one Drake may is kind of by himself in terms of the offensive line's not doing great. Uh, the receiving core is really struggling. And then Kelly McManus, you know, the offensive line, like you mentioned, is doing phenomenally. Like they're averaging less than one pressure per offensive lineman through, through two games. And then also um, you look at the other side, you know, they have Brevin Spanford is a great tight end. Uh, they have Chris Altman Bell who's a great receiver as well. Like he's got weapons. He's got the offensive line and he's just, he's not making the throws right now. Kelly McManus is, and I, I bet they really, do miss Tanner Morgan right now but do you think Minnesota will they uh, pull off the upset in Chapel Hill I don't um to be honest of this group I think this was the easiest game for me in in Chapel Hill um UNC has already had they've played two tough games man I look App State there was no reason App State should have been a 19 point underdog in that game they played an absolute classic last year I think it was 62 to 60 I actually had to grade that game I thought it was going to take me all day um you know that it was a classic App State's very very good uh honestly if App State played Minnesota I'm not sure who would win but I I, I'm thinking UNC this is the week you really see them get kind of hot Drake may I think he finds a rhythm as this game goes on you mentioned the running game is going to be a big factor for North Carolina I I just don't see how Minnesota is going to score enough to compete with them I'm going to take the Tar Heels 35 to 10 
Wow. Okay. Yeah. I got, I got the Tar Heels winning this one too. I think they're covering the spread as well. 28, 17. Like you mentioned, I just see North Carolina's run game. I think that's going to really dominate Minnesota. And then once you send more guys into the box to account for that run game, you got Drake may take a shots downfield, man, which is not a good sight for, for any defense. So yeah, it's going to be tough for Minnesota, especially on offense too, just having to score against an improved North Carolina defense. This isn't the, uh, the defense that's getting run over every single game. Like it was last year. It's an improved North Carolina defense, especially in that South Carolina game. So, uh, yeah, 2017 is my final. The final game we're talking about this one. I, I know I said Illinois, uh, Penn State might be the biggest chance for an upset, but it's close with this one, man. Number 11, Tennessee at Florida, 7 p.m. on ESPN. Uh, my storyline in this game is will Tennessee regain its rhythm offensively? Remember last year, second most efficient offense in the country behind USC. They had Hendon Hooker, Jalen Hyatt were phenomenal. Cedric Tillman was there as well. Um, and then obviously Josh Heupel scheming it all up. I attributed most of that success to Josh Heupel, so I thought – with Joe Milton at quarterback now, uh, strongest arm in the country. I think he could throw over 90 yards, he said. I thought it would fit like a glove in this offense that's such a vertical throw-based scheme, but so far, they're 56th in terms of EPA per play, and Milton has a 66.9 passing grade, and that came against Virginia, which is barely a top 100 team in our power rankings, and Austin P, which is an FCS school. Now you're going against a Florida defense, top 30 in both defensive grade and EPA per play, so uh, this is going to be an interesting matchup for, for Joe Milton in this game, Dalton. Yeah, it is. And and I think what you're seeing from Tennessee, I, I think people forgot it was we've seen Milton before, but it was going to take them a while to to get in that rhythm. You lose a guy like Hendon Hooker and, and Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman, who are all reasonably high draft picks. Mm-hmm. And they lost their offensive coordinator, Alex Golesh, who's now the head coach at USF. You know, I know I think Hypo calls the plays, but it's still an adjustment mm-hmm. when you've got to change the entire you know, the entire logistics of the entire offense, new quarterback, new offensive coordinator, lost your top two receivers. What you, what you're seeing so far in Tennessee as well, why it's not quite as explosive is they've changed the identity a little bit. Um, They're, they're getting behind Jalen Wright. Who's right now the highest graded rusher in the power five. They're letting, they're trying to establish the run game right now to help those deep, to help those deep shots get open, right? Yeah. Their offense is vertical, but they don't have the weapons like Hyatt and Tillman, you know, like last year to just drop back and just let them run. And that's it. That's the ball game. You know, they're, they, they're trying to set it up. They're trying to get this offense more in a schematic rhythm and they're doing it behind right. Who's really, I, I like him a lot. You know, I was watching him this week and he's got terrific vision. He presses the hole. He's kind of one of those backs that like gets in tight behind his offensive lineman. And all of a sudden he disappears. You can't see him all of a sudden he's through the hole and linebackers just lose him and their head mm-hmm. snaps back. And they, they, you know, so they, they're trying to establish a, a little bit different identity right now. They want to be a little more two dimensional, run the football and those deep shots. Look, Milton's got arm strength for days. I mean, he makes, he can throw the ball 70 yards flat foot, flat-footed if not more than that i mean it's it's crazy um what what they're capable of is is the same things they did last year but they they're trying to get about it a different way and they do have they have i mean those are two big holes to fill at receiver so um it's a work in progress but in the sec you don't get much time to progress and going to going to a night game in the swamp in your first one is it's not going to be easy 
Absolutely. I don't think I've ever been more emasculated than watching Joel Milton throw a football because there's a video of me. We did a long throw competition. Uh, me and my friends, I only threw it 19 yards, Dalton, in that long throw competition, which was a, a tough look for me. And Joel Milton throwing 70 yards, basically more than me is, is not great. I don't know if you have a long throw. Like what, what was your over under right now? If you had to do a long throw oh, right now, I haven't thrown in a while. I I could probably hit about 45 right now. That's better than 19. That's I, better. <laughs> I, I, I used, I, uh, man, I'm, I mean, I'm only, I'm not also what six, five and whatever, like Milton. I, I, I used to be able to hit probably up to 55, but wow, 40. Dude. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. No, I, I, I used to, I used to play quarterback. So now I haven't, I haven't thrown in a while. I could probably hit 45 right now and then have to ice it up. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I would, I would take the guess at 45. I can't give myself 50. I can't do it. All right. I will say my, the ball was deflated, which I don't care what you say about Tom Brady. It makes it harder to throw a football when his dad deflated. Also it was raining when I threw that football too. So I think I can go more than 19, but I don't know about much more than that. But yeah, Joe Milton, the biggest arm in the country. However, Dalton there on the other side of the ball, Florida, you know, we talk about it before how we think there's a chance for an upset. Uh, what, on that side of the ball, offensively for Florida, do you think there's a matchup that they can really exploit against Tennessee in this game? So Florida, it's all about the running game. Look, they brought in Graham Mertz, and um, that's night and day when it comes to the the just skill set of Anthony Richardson. Yeah. Graham Mertz, I, he was he was at Wisconsin for a couple of years. He's a pure drop back well, play action passer, kind of one of those classic Wisconsin quarterbacks. So they need to get off running the ball. ETN, you know, uh, Trevor ETN and Montreal Johnson. Those are their two best players uh, on the entire team. They are, I, their running back crew is as good as anybody and they need to be able to run the ball. Look, they fell behind Utah early. Uh, the game script just had them. You know, and even then, I mean, honestly, down seven, nothing on the first play of the game, they kind of chose not to run the ball against Utah. And I don't, I don't really understand. They only ran the ball 16 times um, <laughs> last week against McNeese state seemed like more of the practice to get back to their identity. And Billy Napier, even at Louisiana was always about outside zone running, just run outside zone until mm-hmm. he can't anymore. And then action often hit the intermediate parts of the field. That's how they have to win games. They have to just right now. They're just going to have to get to Billy Napier's identity. They don't have an elite quarterback and he doesn't move very much. They don't have an elite receiving core. There's some decent players, Pierce Saul and the gang. Um, they, they just, they have to run the ball to win games. They can't fall behind early. The Gators, any game where they fall behind by 10 or more is pretty much going to be shot, especially in the sec. So I'm looking at, the Gators getting back to Napier's outside zone run identity and small samples, you know, are dangerous, but through two games against outside zone running Tennessee's run defense grade is 123rd in the country. Wow. It's just this, the stretch play getting off tackle gives Tennessee's defense issues right now. And if the Gators can get to their bread and butter, keep themselves in this game or find their way ahead, um, they can make things happen, but they cannot, they have to establish the run and they cannot fall behind early again. 1,000%. I'm glad you mentioned that because in that Utah game, man, they abandoned the run immediately. Like, it was insane. That's, like you mentioned, their two best players on offense are those two running backs in Montreal Johnson Jr. and Trevor Etienne. Questionable quarterback at best in Grand Mertz. And even with that, even you'd think they run the ball most of the time. They have the lowest run rate in the Power 5 right now and third lowest in the country at 30%. And like you mentioned, that Tennessee run defense right now the 11th worst run defense grade in the power five and again like it again two game sample sizes are dangerous like you said 
but it was against Virginia and Austin P. That's when you should be pumping up the PFF grades. You know, that's not when you should be struggling in that aspect. So I agree with you, man. This is, I don't know if an opening coin toss has ever mattered more for a game than this one, because if Florida gets the ball first, if they win the coin toss, I know that you said that uh, before that everyone team usually defers, they might want to take the ball first because that way they can establish a run because, you know, in that Utah game, when Utah scored in the first play of the game on their offense, they kind of just abandoned the run after that. And they thought, okay, now we got to play catch up. It's like, no, I mean, you still have time to, uh, to play the run this week. So yeah, I think uh, Florida needs to get the run game going early in this one. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't think, I don't think there's a team in the country where game script matters more than Florida. Yeah. Um, and, and you just mentioned it 95% of the times now, or I don't know what the percentage actually is, but it feels like that is, is teams deferring the coin toss plate. Let's play defense and get the ball twice in a row and all that stuff. Look, Florida's not a drop back passing team. They're not a two minute drill team. They're not going to be doing all that to score twice in a row. Look, if they have a lead going into halftime, they're going to sit on it. Okay. Yeah. They need to reestablish what they do against Utah. You know, I get late in the game, you're down 24 to three. Yeah, you got to gun it. And and okay, I get it. But, you know, you give up the huge play, the first play of the game, 70, 75 yard touchdown, the first play of the game, right? To to Utah's backup quarterback, which is concerning. <laughs> and and you're just behind the eight ball, but you're behind the eight ball a minute into the game. So you don't need to abandon the run down seven, nothing a minute into the game. It's a punch in the teeth. I get it. And even when they ran the ball, I mean, you know, they got Graham Mertz going. I remember, I think the first carry was a read option, a keeper by Graham Mertz. And I go, he doesn't do that. He came from Wisconsin. It's just not, it's not his game. So, you know, I, I do like watching last week it's McNeese state, but look, turn around, get in the, get in the, get under center, get in the pistol and hand the ball off and let your O line and let these backs work Yeah, because they can work. I mean, they are two terrific backs, both of them. It's unbelievable. And uh, you know, even Naquan Wright leaving, he left for USF. They had three of them last year mm -hmm. and they still have, they, they still have two of those guys are lucky. They didn't leave, but you know, they, they, they cannot, I, I just look at this game and I look at any week for Florida and they just, they don't have the ability to come back to, to overcome big deficits in, in any game they play. I mean, and they're going to have, this is going to be the theme all year. Look, they play dangerous teams. They play Georgia. I think they play LSU. Obviously they play Florida state. They fall behind earlier. They try to get in shootouts on any of these teams. It's not going to happen because they're, you know, I, I hate, I hate to say it. And it's only two games in, but against a lot of teams, they're at a big disadvantage in the passing game. Absolutely. I, I don't know if you'll find more in-depth analysis than this show because we're talking about coin toss strategy right now for Florida going into this <laughs> game. So, yeah, man, like you said, it, it is it's almost malpractice how little they run the ball so far when their bread and butter should be running the ball. Like it, they're literally the lowest rate in the power five, third lowest in the country, and they have two fantastic running backs and not a great passing game. So I, it's it's kind of insane that they're doing that. But ultimately, there's a there's a there's a path, obviously, for Florida to pull off this upset in the swamp. Do they do it Dolan? do they pull off the upset this this um this as i watched the tape became the hardest game to pick of of this group and and i expected you know i i and i expected to just pick tennessee as easily as as i did a few of these other ones mm -hmm. and and the more you throw the tape on and the game is in the swamp and at night um it's going to be a dogfight I, I actually think it's going to be a dogfight i think florida I think they've spent the last two weeks, you know, since the Utah game into the McNeese game, they put that game on film. And I, I think what they've clearly established is they just need to get back to what Billy Napier knows best, run the ball, 
run the stretch, play action off it, mm-hmm. play good defense. And you know what? If you're, you know, the Florida's just that team. Billy Napier is one of those coaches. If he could run the ball every single play, I think he would. Whatever, what happened in that Utah game, I really don't know because that's so different than even how he ran things. He was winning 10, 11 games at Louisiana, and there were stretches of games where you would see they would literally run the same play eight, nine, 10, 10, yeah. 10, 10 plays in a row. Um, they, I think they want to get back to that. Now, is that harder in the SEC than it is in the Sun Belt? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, he had a terrific offensive line at Louisiana a couple of years ago. Two of those guys are in the NFL now. Um, it's just. Florida has to establish that as their identity. If they try to make anything other than the bread and butter run game, their identity, they're going to get, they're going to get run off the field. Now I do think they've worked to establish that. And I think it's a schematic problem for Tennessee. If Florida gets the run game going, because what they don't want is Milton to force those deep shots. Tennessee's changed the identity a little bit too, where they're trying to set up the deep shots a little more instead of just sitting back there and gunning it because we're better because Tennessee is not last year. They had so much talent that against a lot of teams, they were just better. Mm -hmm. They were just the better team on the field. And we're going to run right by you. That's not the case. That's not the case this year. You know, they're not going to play teams and just walk out there and score 50 points. I mean, and, and Milton's talented and they obviously have talent, but I I like that they're leaning into it. I think this is going to be a dogfight. I think Florida's, going to rebound in the run game and give them a lot of problems. I, I just think I trust, I trust Milton a little. Well, I, I trust him a little bit more than Mertz. Yeah. If, if in the last 10 minutes, Tennessee needs a play from its quarterback and and Florida needs a play from theirs. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. um, it's going to be tight. It might even come down to, to a game winning field goal. I'm going to take Tennessee and it's a night game in the swamp, which is not easy ever. Yeah. Um, things get a little weird down there. I'm going to take Tennessee, but I'm only going to take them 24 to 23. I don't think they cover that. I think it's an eight point spread right now. I'm going to go Tennessee 24, 23. You're going to see, you're going to see this game especially in the middle of the game, it's going to look like a fist fight. I think, I think you're going to see two teams really, really getting after it. Yeah. 1000%. I got Tennessee in this one 34, 27. I think, like you said, it, there's a path for Florida in this game. There really is a path for Florida in this game. They got to take it though. And then at the other side of the ball, they have to limit the explosive plays with Joel Milton, because if you do that and you stop the run with Jalen, Wright. They really have a shot, man. They really have a shot. So I think Tennessee, I think Florida, I think Illinois, and I think Missouri are the three schools that I'm really keeping an eye on because I think Missouri has a good shot too in that game uh, to pull off the upset. But look, listen, like we said before, it's not a sexy week of college football. There's no ranked matchups. It's a fun week of college football regardless. Yeah. And yeah, everyone's got to just remember how depressed we all were in May before college football and say, listen, it's not a great slate, but this is when it usually gets the most fun, Dolan. So I, I am super, super excited for week three, man. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's going to be fun. And you mentioned you mentioned those three teams. Look, the key for any upset is taking care of the football. Yeah. Underdogs have to take care of the football. Um, I think in all three games that matters, if you give – if you give away easy when all three of those teams, you just mentioned, I think a big thing, they're the team with the worst offense in the game. Yep. So what you have is teams that if they don't take care of the football, if they give easy opportunities, you know, especially in Missouri's case, if you give easy opportunities to the team with the better offense, you have Mm -hmm. massive problems, you know? So all three, the theme for the, for the three is all the same. Take care of the football, work your one or two schematic advantages that you have and drag the game out, man, put this, put these games in a phone booth. They're all capable of doing it. I think, especially 
especially Florida and Illinois, you know, slow this game down, win five yards at a time. You know, it's not pretty. The, the uglier these games are, the better chance they have. And, and um, you, look, every week there's 100 games, and every week in about 70 of them, <laughs> you get something unexpected. Yeah. So uh, I think you're going to see it. These are always the weeks where, where everything gets turned upside down. And, and every, every, every expert and everything like that just goes, Oh man, didn't see that coming. I'm, you know, so <laughs> we just, we do the best, we do the best we can, but it's weeks, it's weeks like this that are the most unpredictable. They are. I can't wait for us to look so stupid in our review episode next week and just be like, yeah, we didn't see that coming. I don't know why we didn't talk about that, but we did not see that coming. So I I'm excited. Or, man. or, or for once they all just end up 50 to 10 and we go, well, I, we just, wow, this <laughs> we, disparity is, we is really nothing. that wide. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah just, man. Okay. I, I guess, I guess they're just, I just, they're, they're just really good and they're just really bad. Okay. Not uh, deal. Absolutely. <laughs> you'll be, man. you'll be hyped if the Penn state game ends up like that. I know that it's, I feel like that game's gonna be a classic big 10 game, man. I can see that being 17 oh. 14 hopefully since penn state you know sneaks out of there but i can see it being big, a gross a big, big ten, ten the big 10 west man it's like going back in time isn't it <laughs> it absolutely is i think that's gonna be a gross big 10 game but listen man not it's not a, a sexy slate it's still gonna be a very fun slate so make sure you guys stay tuned for our review episode coming on monday and then after that, on Wednesday, hopefully, we will be recording a preview episode for maybe six hours because there are – it might be the greatest slate, Dalton, I've ever seen. And we'll talk about it next week, man, but it might be the greatest one-week slate I've ever seen in week four. Oh, it's it's nuts. I'm so – I'll tell you what, the one the one for me, and I guess we'll just tease it, it's going to be Colorado, Oregon. Dude. That's that's <laughs> going to be so much fun. Just just the whole just, – just the breakdown of it and the number of, the number of scenarios going into – going into that game. I'll be honest with you. If you, you want to, if you want a week early way, which way I might be leaning, I, I don't, I don't see any reason that Oregon should be a 14, I think 14 or 14 and a half point favorite that Not they are all. right now. I see no reason for that. Not at uh, all. I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't get it. I mean, Colorado's got wicked athletic talent. Um, Oregon went down and just played a game down to the wire to a team that lost to Wyoming. Uh, I, I, you know, we'll, we'll get more on it next week, but that's, that's the one I'm excited for as, as I'm sure everyone is with the way everything's going in Boulder right now, but uh, I'm, I'm ready for Colorado, Oregon. And then you got to, like you said, a million other games that we're going to have to get to. We might be sitting here all day. Yeah, dude, it's gonna be unbelievable. Just like, so people understand. So like we usually try to preview five games. So this one, like we had to really pick five games and like tried to like decipher which games next week. There's probably like, eight games that we have to talk about like not even like oh this would be a fun game to talk no no no. we have to talk like clemson florida there's like six ranked games and then clemson florida state is also on the schedule they got other games on the schedule too like arkansas lsu is not a non-ranked game but that's still a great game utsa i think tennessee man it's gonna be an unbelievable week of college football but it's gonna be an unbelievable week of college football this week too so don't look ahead to week four because there's still a, a great slate in week three uh but that's what we got for, for another episode of preferred walk on for dalton Wasserman. i'm max chadwick and of course producers ty producer eli back there They're the absolute best. So, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next time.